Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life the Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Denny. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stop, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, 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 welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only Anthony Denmark, Denmark's Life the Country. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans of all ages, we have 179 days until week one of the college football season. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We're in the month of March. We got the NCAA tournament around the corner. But you guys know that's just the appetizer. That's just something to to, to, to wet our feet just a little bit, just to help us get through the tough times as we grow that much closer to week one of the college football season. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. Of course, we do know that right now spring practice, is beginning in programs all over the country at this particular time. Programs are welcoming in their junior college players, their early enrollees. We got new coaches. We got new strength and conditioning coaches. We got a whole new mindset. And it's just really exciting and really refreshing. It seems as if Clemson had literally won the national championship years ago, but it was only but a short few months ago. And yet again, we are now back almost that much closer to week one of the college football season. So, as usual, uh, on today's show, we have a lot of things on tap. Uh, Today, I have the luxury, the pleasure, and I'm really excited, uh, we're going to be having a guest come on. Uh, he writes for SB Nation covering the Baylor Bears. And we know there's definitely been no sorts of boring moments happening out there in Waco. So we're going to tackle those things. And also we want to try to focus specifically on Baylor because, you know, the truth of the matter is it's a new guy coming into town, Matt Rule, and uh, he deserves a chance. You know, he's the son of a preacher man. We saw on our last podcast, you can check it out on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we saw that Penn State and USC used a similar blueprint in order to get back to the promised land. So we want to see if Baylor can possibly be able to do the same thing. Because at the end of the day, what happened at Baylor with those particular participants involved in those acts was heinous. But nevertheless, you know, at some point we got to turn the chapter, and just like we did USC, just like we did at Penn State. And uh, 
see if, in fact, they're going to be taking steps to reemerge from this situation. Because the people who were involved have either one been fired or been dismissed from the program. So now the students at the institution deserve a second chance. And although the adults, the decision makers who were responsible, you know, are gone, I think it's time for us to be able to give these young men a second chance. We saw almost like it was coronation, the Rose Bowl, when we saw USC at Penn State, a coronation for both of these programs, in regards to what the final score was, to be able to see how those programs were able to get back to the situation. And so we're now in the early stages of the Matt Rule era. And I want to know specifically, you know, what we should expect. And, of course, after we talk to this guy about Baylor, we're also going to talk about some of my expectations that I'm looking forward to going into the spring from different programs across the country. And also uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my uh, reaction to the NFL Combine. I love college football, the NFL, (laughs) and recruiting. So we're going to try to combine all those things into one. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and just drop off all. What's the latest happenings in the world of college sports right now? Well, it seems as if, (laughs) man, even though you don't want to get fired from a job, I tell you, it seems as if one of the best places to get fired from is if, in fact, you are a position coach. And word leaked out that for 27 hours of work as a position coach at Oregon, fired position coach collected $63,000. And he was only there for what? A day and some change? Barely even got a chance to really get a change of clothing, you know? Came in for the night, woke up, brushed his teeth, and he was out the door. And he got $63,000. I tell you, man, that's fired and walking out with nothing. Happened to me before. And then there's that type of fire. But nevertheless, I'm more than sure, although he did get well compensated for his time in Oregon, uh, the bridges that he burns probably very hard for him to cross again. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get our caller on the line. His name is Matt McRae. He writes for SB Nation covering the Baylor Bears. To find out what's happening and what's up with these Baylor Bears, life after Art Browns and the new era, Matt Rule. Let's go ahead and get him on the line. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, of course, you know, I started the show uh, talking about Baylor, and I wonder typically from you, what is the uh, atmosphere right now at Baylor in Waco uh, with the thing of this each day there's, Another story coming out, I mean, from the lawsuit to the Texas uh, Texas Rangers investigation to Art Browse's statement, I mean, every day is something else that's not sports-related that's coming out. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the students are tired of it uh, because they just think it's 
like the worst has happened, but people continue to scrape the bottom of the barrel, if you will, and kind of find new information and release it. Uh, and for me personally, and I think a lot of my friends, like we, at least my view was, I'm I'm glad it's happening to Baylor, so it didn't happen to anywhere else. But at this point, I'm like, okay, it's kind of time to move on, if you will. But they just keep finding stuff out, and you know, Baylor's not really helping itself with our brows putting out the and uh, the Texas Rangers being called in to investigate. Just not a good situation. I mean, absolutely. The atmosphere on campus is very. I mean, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that the message that got lost in the statement that was put out uh, by the uh, Baylor women coach, although some I definitely did not agree with, in whole point, I felt like what her message was is what happened at Baylor. That is what happened with those particular individuals does not speak with regards to represent the entire student body. And I think you know, to a degree, you know, it's, to a degree, a lot of the students, as well as a lot of, I mean, most of the institutions have really got an unfair rap because when you really look at it in its totality, the numbers, you see that it's a, a very few amount of uh, uh, athletes uh, truly don't represent what the entire student body stands for at Baylor. Absolutely. Uh, and on the point of Kim Mulkey's comments, they were definitely taken out of context. And she's been at Baylor for something about 15, maybe 20 years. Uh, not 20, 15, 13 years. So she, she would know best because 10 years ago they had the scandal with the basketball player murdering and the cover-up. But, and Mulkey yeah, was hired right I, after that. And so yeah, and I, I think, saw that they're producing a, a documentary on that that's going to be coming out. I was like, come on, the timing of that had to be horrible. Yeah, I'm not really excited about that one, but, you know, it, it is what it is. We can't go back and change the past, so... That's just whatever for my, in my opinion, like, you know, I can't really, uh, well, no one can affect that. So all in all, I think it's, it's just what it is. And so Baylor's going to have to move with it and deal with it when it comes out. So. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Matt McGuire. He covers the Baylor Bears for SBNation.com. Now, of course, you know, that chapter has now come and gone. And, you know, kind of like what I, I had a past podcast where I talked to USC and, a Penn State writer. I mean, you see, you've seen those two programs reemerge from their situations, and I, I really believe that Matt Rule may be the right guy for the job. He did a wonderful job at Temple, and I mean, you actually where there's not much talent in the Philadelphia area, and now you place him in a very fertile recruiting ground in the state of Texas, and he did a remarkable job uh, recruiting uh, a top 40 class in a very short amount of time. Uh, thus far, what has been your impression of Matt Rule? Blown away by everything he's done. Uh, he's He's been the right guy from day one. Uh, he came in and he has uh, similar to Art Browse, he said. Well, actually, not similar to Art Browse. So Art Browse came in and said, we're going to win because I want this team to win and I have a great offense. Matt Rule comes in and says, we're going to win, but we want to win the right way. We want to win with character, and I'm going to teach these kids character, and I'm going to develop them well. And I haven't heard one player from Matt Rule say he did a bad job. One former player say he did a bad job or that he was uh, mean to them or whatnot. I have not heard that yet, and all I've heard is just praise and praise. And so I'm I'm really thinking, you know, how did Baylor get this guy? Because everyone else had a chance to get him the past couple of years, but, you know, he hasn't been doing as much. Obviously, last year he won 
the uh, AAC, uh, I believe, and then this year Temple won it again. Uh, or no, they they came in. Didn't they come in second? I believe, or did yeah. they win? Uh, something like that. But they've been outstanding the past couple of years, and he brought his entire staff over to Waco, or at least most of them to Waco. And uh, he, the big thing he did though that just really impressed me was he hired uh, two or three former Texas high school football coaches because he didn't have any Texas ties. So he goes out and he gets David Wetzel, who's the former president of the High School Coaching Association for football coaches in Texas. He gets uh, Joey McGuire, who is a rock star in high school coaching in Dallas. And then he goes out and he gets Sean Bell, who's an up-and-coming guy from Round Rock. So I think he just really played his cards right and got the right personnel around him. Uh, but more than that, I think he's a great guy, and he's got a lot of character. And so I'm excited about this, the next couple of years in the rural era. Absolutely. And, of course, you know, it, it doesn't help when you cut on the NFL combine and you see one of his players completely just blowing up to a combine. Of course, I'm talking about a sign Riddick, who was a walk-on, who came on as a running back and became an edge rusher and now a linebacker. I'm sorry, you know, when Matt Rule, of course, he uh, played linebacker at Penn State, when you're able to see one of his players that he developed, I mean, it, it makes it very hard for you not to pay attention uh, to what he's done at uh, at Temple. Uh, nevertheless, you know, one of the things that's most impressive about Matt Rule is when he was hired as coach, they only had one recruit there. And, of course, you know, he did a remarkable job. Uh, got the class, I believe, at 27. He filled it with 27 players. Out of those 27 players, who are some guys you're looking at watching uh, who we should be looking out for? Well, obviously, uh, you kind of look at the top. Out of the top four, the three of them are wide receivers. you got Ebner, Snead, and Holmes. I think they're all going to be terrific in their offense. But a guy I think who is underrated and a little under-recruited is uh, both DeMarco Artis, the outside linebacker out of Florida, and B.J. Thompson out of uh, Arkansas. I think because Artis plays outside linebacker, but he can flip down to edge rusher. And I think he'll be a stud at outside linebacker. He's big. Uh, he's kind of like the NFL prototype outside linebacker. And then Thompson plays tight end, and he's 6'7", so he gives, he gives the quarterback that big target. Uh, another guy who I think is a stud who's probably going to play uh, within the next year or so maybe not next year, he might redshirt, is Charlie Brewer, uh, the quarterback from Lake Travis. He's had just absolute success at Lake Travis. Uh, he comes in, signs early, uh, enrolls early to Baylor. Uh, only the 35th quarterback in the class, but he's a winner. He won, I think, a state champ. I know he won a state championship this last year. Uh, he may have won another the year before, but he's just a stud of a stud. And, uh, yeah, uh I also think uh, the offensive linemen, the big boys down front, you got Xavier Newman, the top recruit in the class at O'Guard from DeSoto. He's going to be a stud. But also I think uh, Anderson and Khalil Keith are also going to be just monsters uh, in the future. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Matt McBrayer. He writes for SB Nation covering the Baylor Bears. Now, of course, you know, for so long, uh, Baylor has been identified specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, of course, you know, with spring spring practice already started, what type of offense of identity should we expect to see from the Baylor Bears? From what I've heard, it's going to be a pro-style spread. It's going to be something very similar to what Alabama 
and uh, uh, really similar to what Temple ran last year. Uh, but if you look at what Alabama runs with the wide receivers all the way past the hash marks, but they still have they still want to run the ball and control the clock. I think that's something Baylor's going to do next year. I don't think we're going to become a team like K State, who runs it most plays and occasionally will pass it. They just will Snyder ball you to death because they know they can get four yards every play, and so they just get four yards every single play and get a first down and just drive the ball down the field. I, I, I expect to see some big plays, uh, not as many as we saw previous era, but for certain I think we'll see a lot of big plays and uh, hopefully uh, the offense that we run is good and smooth. I know that the, uh, the one of the co-offensive coordinators uh, left to go take the Washington offensive coordinator job, uh, but then we had a guy step up immediately, so I'm not really concerned about that. And uh, I think we should be good next year. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not as good as some people would expect. I don't. I think nine wins is probably a reasonable ceiling for this team, and then maybe six wins is a reasonable floor. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, to be honest with you, uh, the offensive coordinator, of course, you're referring to is Lubbock, who took three mm-hmm. jobs. In two months, he went from Ole Miss to Baylor. Now he's at Washington. So, I mean, really, you really want someone that's going to be committed. So I'm sure that, of course, it sucks to have to replace him. But let's be real. You know, he wasn't really – he hadn't really shown his commitment anywhere thus far, at least during the short time since uh, uh, the season ended. Uh, Nevertheless, one of the questions I do want to ask you guys, ask you about specifically, is we do know in the world of college football – Patience is something that is a dying breed. Uh, nevertheless, when I look at Matt Rule's contract, he got a seven-year contract. Seven years. What does that, the fact that they gave him a seven-year contract say in regards to uh, the program and the expectations that they have in regards to how long they believe it's going to take uh, to get Baylor back to uh, where the Baylor fans have a cu- grown accustomed to being, 10 went seasons, top 10 finishes. Mm-hmm. I think I think that says that uh, I think Mac Rhodes, the AD, I think he trusts Matt Rule uh, a lot, uh, and I think the seven-year deal is a little bit of a kind of compromise between the trust and what Matt Rule was comfortable with. Matt Rule has said, you know, I don't want to come to Waco for a two-year job. That's not what I'm looking for, and so uh, or he said something along those lines. So I believe that uh, truly Matt Rule is going to be here for a, a long, the long term. I don't think this is just a short-term replacement. Uh, we're looking. I know I wrote an article about Baylor possibly hiring Chad Morris, uh, and I said in the article, if you need to give him an out, like a like a discounted buyout, if A and M, if Texas A and M comes calling, uh, if they fire someone and if he's interviewed. I said I would give him a discounted buyout just because he can recruit Texas. He knows high school football. Uh, but Rule automatically just gained all that trust from all these coaches. Then uh, he hired all these Texas high school football coaches like Sean Bell and Wetzel and Joey McGuire. And uh, one of the local guys in, in Waco, uh, David Smoke, he sent out a survey uh, to – all the Texas high school football coaches asking them if they trust Matt rule. And he got back the response of, I believe it was 40% said they trust him. uh, And 60% said they don't know enough about him. 
but nobody said they didn't trust what they knew about him. So I think that's really interesting. That really shows that he has a lot of character, and so I think that's good that Baylor got him, and I think he's a long-term guy too. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know uh, there were a few old Baylor players who participated in the NFL Combine this past week. Katie Cannon, of course, ran a blazing speed, which, of course, definitely helped improve his draft stock in regards to where he will be selected. Uh, but I do want to ask a question about Seth Russell. Seth Russell, of course, dealt with injuries and also showed a couple of glimpses of being a dynamic player during his time in Waco. Did it bother you that he didn't throw at the NFL combine? A little bit because, uh, like you said, you know, or, or I think he posted something on Instagram saying, you know, people asked me why I didn't throw, and I said I'm not 100% or something along those lines. And to be fair, you know, a lot of quarterbacks aren't 100% whenever they throw. Uh, if you look back to Aaron Rodgers this last season or the season before when he was limping on the field, but he still was able to run the plays and throw the ball extremely well. Uh, but Seth's a competitor, and he's a perfectionist, so I don't think that he would want to lower his stock by you know, going out and having a subpar passing day rather than when he's throwing at 100%. Uh, but I think some team is going to get a steal with Seth Russell because he is a pro's pro, uh, and he has a lot of grit, and he's a leader on the team. That's for certain. So I think some team's going to get a good player in him. And Katie Cannon, I think, is a stud. Uh, a little, he's, he's kind of reminds me of a little bit of Wes Welker. Uh, or, uh, uh, he's not he's not big like Brandon Marshall, but he's he's able to go get those passes. He is a possession receiver, even though he's only six foot six foot one. So he's a big, uh, big time threat out in the slot or on the outside. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Absolutely. Again, we have 179 days until week one of the college football season. I'm more than sure that fans in Waco are looking forward to the days where we can talk about the things that are taking place on the field as opposed to off the field. I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely uh, would like to have you on uh, throughout the offseason and, of course, uh, when college football kicks off. All right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that's awesome about college football is that it's always changing. Things are always changing. And to a degree, you know, I kind of agree with uh, Matt because what he shared with us is his passion for uh, the Baylor football program as also he's a student there. And also in addition to that, he shared how, you know, ultimately, you know, what happened at Baylor with those particular individuals. Those individuals aren't there anymore. And so to a degree it's very refreshing uh, to see Baylor go ahead and try to uh, begin a new chapter. Uh, we've seen that that happen with the basketball program, and the basketball program is doing remarkably. And we're more than sure that uh, with Matt Rule at the helm, uh, that, uh, you know, they're off to a good start. Now, where that leads to, I think that Matt was a bit optimistic when he said nine wins, but we're going to see what happens with time. We do know that Art Browse during his time there, he definitely did a wonderful job in recruiting. Also, we do know during uh, Jim Grove's short time there that he uh, definitely lost the, the ear of the team. And it seems as if uh, Matt Rule is on the right track in regard to uh, embracing Waco. The community has embraced him. 
and uh, we're going to see how that whole thing ultimately ends up playing out. But when you look for a goal, when you look for where they intend to be in the future, just look at the Rose Bowl, USC, Penn State. Now you see those two teams now being mentioned back where they were before those scandals took place at both of their prospective institutions. So, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, of course, we're definitely going to see. Last week was the NFL Combine, what I call the Underwear Olympics. Now, one of the things that I often find myself enjoying about the NFL Combine is it provides a wonderful opportunity for either one, players who found themselves blessed with being on TV day in and day out, to prove themselves. And it also provides a wonderful opportunity to those so-called unheralded stars to be able to show that they're just as fast, just as big, just as talented as their more popular uh, counterparts who just so happen to be blessed to be on TV every Sunday, I mean, every Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday, or whenever the heck they play college football. So I was really intrigued by watching some particular players. One of the players, of course, that stuck out to me was Hassan Reddick. Uh, of course, he played for Temple. He was coached by Matt Rule. When he came to Temple, he came to Temple as a running back, and uh, Matt Rule and his program, of course, has done a wonderful job in player development. And this young man now seems all but destined to not only get drafted, but likely to be able to be selected in the first round. Another intriguing story that I found myself watching uh, was another dynamic player who started his career off unheralded. Opie, I'm not even going to try to say his last name. He is a safety at UConn. Only had two scholarship offers, and this guy blew the NFL combine out the water. My man jumped 11-9. My man ran 4-4 at 6-3-220. My man looked like a man amongst boys. And the boys I'm referring to are the guys who just so happen to be the more popular players who, for the most part, disappointed. Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State, yes, he did run a 4-3, but he got hurt. Was it the hammy? Was it a hamstring? He says it was a hip. But nevertheless, although he ran fast, the concerns about injuries rolled just up the head. Tease Tabor, the guy who claimed that he was supposed to be not only the best quarterback in the draft, but the best overall player in the draft, ran a disappointing 4-6. Quincy Wilson, the other guy who's supposed to be another future shutdown corner, ran a 4-5. I mean, come on, man. It makes you really wonder. It seems as if Florida defensive backs have a history of running remarkably slow at the combine. Joe Hayden ran a 4-7-4 at the combine. Now, of course, he was able to requit himself, and he ran a blazing 4-4 at his pro day, and I'm more than sure that Quincy Wilson and Ted Tabor, the expectations that maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to do the same. But despite their disappointingly slow times, the expectations Tabor will likely hear that narrowing call quite early in the first round. Some other names that I found myself quite impressed to watch was an offensive line. I mean, this one guy, of course, has NFL bloodline. Pretty much since high school, he's been glorified for being a man amongst boys, a mountain amongst 
men. Zach Banner, my man, seemed to kindly get to the point where his size has now become an impediment. He ran, and boy, was it ugly running. He ran a 5-3-3 in the 40. Now, I'm more than sure that the average man probably cannot run a 5-3-3. I think Rich Eisen at the NFL Combine, he ran a 6-flat. So that just tells you about Zach Banner being compared to the average man. But since the average man does not play in the NFL, I wonder what's going to happen with him. He battled with his weight throughout his career at USC. At some point, getting as high as 400 pounds, he, of course, came to the combine quite impressively. He came at 353, which was great. But I wonder, is he better served going to the biggest loser as opposed to the NFL? But we're not saying mean things about people. Now, of course, one of the other things, one of the other players that I found myself quite intrigued with at the uh, NFL Combine this past weekend on the offensive side of the ball was the running backs. I saw that. I was surprised. I was surprised to see Samaje P. Ryan run as fast as he did. He ran a 4-6. I was like, damn. And combine that with the fact that my man racked up 30 reps of 225, I was like, you know what, man, this guy may not be an every down back, but my gosh, he may be a goal line back. And, of course, you know, the other running back, you know, Leonard Fournette did his thing. And even though many people found themselves complaining about his weight, he could say he alleged that it was water weight, he still ran a 4-5 at 240 pounds. And the thing that was found garnering the most attention was the fact that he only jumped a disappointing 28.5 vertical leap. But, again, you have to ask yourself the question, when's the last time Leonard Fournette had to jump over anything? He just ran right through it. Now, of course, how does that translate when you go to the NFL when everybody's just as big, just as fast? The jury is still out. Thought about the running back. When you saw the running backs perform, I think the biggest winner at running back had to be Christian McCaffrey. And I think to a degree when he had his press, when people were asking him questions, I do truly understand when he said that he felt disrespected. Disrespected because people say that question his speed. Disrespected because the people at the NFL combine couldn't even get the guy's name right. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's not like he's the first McCaffrey to play in the NFL. I mean, come on, right? And disrespected because everybody in all mock drafts have him going to the New England Patriots. Now, to a degree, I can understand why people would say that he has to go to the New England Patriots because of his pigment and because of the position he plays. But I think this is downright disrespect. I think Christian McCaffrey answered all questions. My man jumped a 39-inch vert lead. My man ran a 4-4. My man look wonderful in position drills, and I honestly do not believe that he's going to last all the way down to 32 in the draft when he does not have questions in regards to his health. That, of course, is not what I would say about Dalvin Cook, who seems that during his time at Florida State has been the guy that's constantly been overlooked, and I don't understand why. Is it because they just don't like the man? 
I know, of course, he had some off-field issues take place, but my goodness. It seems as if with every run, with every dazzling play, whatever he did, it just was not enough. And then after the NFL combine and his performance, it seems as if yet again we are finding ourselves asking questions about the long-term viability of Dalvin Cook, who seems to have been committed to trying to prove himself for three years in a row. My man can run. My man can catch. Oh, yeah, but he does have issues with his shoulders. But then the funny thing is the same questions and concerns that people have about the shoulders of Dalvin Cook, which may be a reason why he may slide in the draft, for some reason people don't have those same questions and concerns when asking about Jonathan Allen, Superman, who, of course, also, according to medical reports, has two has arthritis in his shoulders already at 23. But nobody's talking about this guy dropping in the draft despite the fact that you really don't know where to play him. Yes, he played for Alabama. Yes, he lined up all up and down the offensive line. But quick, let me ask you a question. I often say that you can really tell about the talent of a player based off the level of competition that he played against, but tell me the number of offensive linemen from the SEC that's going to go in the first round. I'll wait. I'm still waiting. Tell me the number of offensive guards that are in the SEC that are going to go in the first round. I'll wait. Still waiting. (laughs) Unless the only way that you're able to truly develop, determine the true talent of Jason Allen is by Jonathan Allen is based off of what he does in practice. When you really look at it from a competition standpoint, he really hasn't faced much first-round talent. But you may say you have the center from, you may have the center from LSU and Posse, but besides that, he really hasn't been challenged that much. And you have to truly say to yourself, when you have such an array of talent on the Alabama defensive side of the ball where everybody is a dynamic player, do we really know for sure? I mean, really, really know for sure how dominant Jonathan Allen can truly be in the NFL? Because not every team has a Tim Allen, a Ryan Anderson, or a Reuben Foster, and a Thomason, and a Hubbard, and all those other dynamic defensive linemen that they have in Alabama. Because of that, teams weren't able to cue specifically on him. Now, of course, they're able to do that with Texas A&M, no disrespect to Deshaun Hall, who, of course, played on the opposite end of Miles Garrett. But it seems as if we all seem to have written the book and assured that Jonathan Allen's a shoe win to be a top and elite talent in the NFL. Because one of the things that I've noticed about Alabama players is you know what? It's not really a certainty as we once presumed. Yes, we know Alabama will oftentimes find themselves getting the five star recruits, but at the end of the day, those five star recruits who ultimately find themselves selected in the draft, how many of them actually get to be surviving to their second contract? Now, of course, we do know that Kirkpatrick is probably about to get paid eleven or twelve billion dollars a year. Congratulations. Of course, we do know that there are definitely some legitimate exceptions to the rule. Well, several, really. Mark Ingram, Amari Cooper, the young man from 
Baltimore, the linebacker whose name is Baltimore. Julio Jones, of course, who's out five to six months with a Brendan surgery. But at the end of the day, the funny thing about Alabama is Alabama has always had an opportunity to play with the best. Now, you're going to go to the NFL with a guy to your left, with a guy to your right, or the guy that's behind you may not be as talented, may actually not demand the amount of attention that uh, caused the opposing team to be able to cue specifically on you. So we're going to see what happens, and we are definitely going to see what's up. Now, those are my NFL combine observations. We do know that the NFL, college football, I always find myself thinking about them interchangeably. The only difference between the two, of course, is we do know that ultimately college football players don't get played above the table. They just get paid under the table. But we do know that the NFL free agency has officially kicked off, started. And it made me think about college football free agency. And I thought about specifically we had a guest on talk about Baylor, so it made me think about the quarterback that's transferring into Baylor, Anu Solomon, reigning one-time Pac-12 freshman quarterback of the year from Arizona. And it made me think about other free agent quarterbacks who are looking to find different places to sign. It made me think about Malik Zaire, who, of course, was New City Bowl MVP, looking for a place to finish his final year of school. It made me think about Sirk. You guys probably don't know him, but the guy, of course, was a talented quarterback who just seems to have always fallen victim to the injury bug year in, year out, year in, and year out. He, of course, left Duke after three Achilles injuries. He's looking for a place to play. Made me think about Brandon Harris, the once former five-star quarterback from LSU who everybody claimed for everything. He's looking for a place to play. It made me think about McIlwain, not the coach of Florida, but McIlwain, the former promising MLB prospect who decided to go to South Carolina. And, of course, Brantley decided to leave high school early, and Brantley's now the guy. So McElwain is looking for a place to play. Where these guys ultimately end up going, of course, they will not be going to the highest bidder like it does in the NFL. They'll be going to the program which provides them the opportunity to be able to fulfill their lifelong dreams of being able to put themselves, position themselves to when they go to the NFL conference, where they will go, we have no clue. Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Florida, Notre Dame. As I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening, and we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, spring is in the air. Now, of course, if you're in the South, that spring is often accompanied by pollen, but we also know that that means it is also accompanied by football as spring practices begin in mostly every place in the country. Dreams and aspirations have become a renewed. The questionable play calling of coaches, the 
poor route running of players, the poor conditioning of players, has <laughs> all been forgotten. Everybody has a clean slate. And I'm intrigued by seeing how some of these first-time coaches do when their new place is deployed. I'm intrigued to see what Tom Herman does at Texas. Herman called out a defensive lineman earlier. Said his defensive linemen were fat. Mm. You know, Charlie Strong said he made the cake. It's Tom Herman's job to apply the icing. So we're going to see what icing Tom Herman has in mind. Tom Herman of course, did a wonderful job in Houston. They called the Houston situation the H-Town takeover. Now we want to see what he does with the Texas takeover. I'm intrigued also. I'm really intrigued to see what happens down in Oregon. It seems to be like for 40 years a coaching tree had been in place at Oregon. Now they blew the whole thing up. They got a new man in charge in Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart, of course, had a few rough patches. Once he took over the program, trying to find the right coaches who seemed to find the bottom of a bottle. But it seems as if everybody's now in place. I'm interested, I'm intrigued to see how Cristobal does going from Alabama, going to Eugene. Some other stories I'm truly intrigued by is I'm really intrigued to see what happens down in Louisville. For so many years, at least for the past three or four years. The Heisman winner has become almost reminiscent to celebrity due to his crab legs, Jameis Winston due to his off-field issues, Johnny Menzel due to his off-field issues. And I'm just really intrigued to see how this offseason continues to unwind for Lamar Jackson, who seems to have gone throughout the offseason largely unnoticed. My man won the Heisman. You ain't heard nothing since. Hadn't been on TMZ. My man's from Florida. Haven't heard anything. And, of course, we do know that it is definitely music to the ears of Bobby Petrino, who was trying to avoid (laughs) distractions at all costs. Also, another thing I'm intrigued to watch happen this offseason. I'm going to put a prediction out here. You're going to laugh. You know what? At the end of the season, I may be right. Here it is. JT Barrett will not end the season as a starting quarterback of Ohio State. Drop that bomb. JT Barrett will not end the season as Ohio State's backup. He will end the season as Ohio State's backup quarterback. On the next show, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Probably going to have a guest caller from Ohio State SB Nation to come on. So make sure you tune into that. I want to thank Matt LeBriar for coming on to share his thoughts, his passion, insights about Baylor. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check out your boy on Instagram. And remember to stay tuned to sports. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well 
at E3 Sleep Sports.